Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, and you are getting a double header today, which is very exciting. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in twice. You know, the more of these interviews, the better, I think, because I think it gives an opportunity for folks around Alaska to get to know our elected officials. And we got some great ones. And boy, do we have a great one today for our second part of our show today. We have the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Shelley Hughes, with us today, who literally... I think got 70% of the vote. In 77, the 77. 77% of the primary, which is just amazing. I think she won probably by the biggest landslide of any Senator out there for, um, you know, all of them except for one had to run for reelection. So one congratulations Senator on your primary uh, victory and uh, welcome to the must read Alaska show. Yeah, and, and thank you, Jonathan, and hello out there. Welcome to my living room. Um, <laughs> I, I, am, I do a lot of legislative work, but I also do a lot of campaign work at this time of year, so I tend to work from home and often right here in the space where you see me, and I'm excited to join you because there are a lot of good things happening, and this is an important season. You know, it's really a pivotal season, and people are processing a lot of information coming at them regarding their options. So happy to be with you, Jonathan. Well, I'm excited you're with us today. Can you tell us, Senator, what was that, you know, what's your story of what what you, uh, what it took for you to first run for office? Everybody's kind of got their story of, you know, they they were sick of this or sick of that or wanted to change this or wanted to help out here. What is your story that first got you to throw your name in the hat for office? Well, it's, it's kind of funny you ask that because I was being asked to head send my headshot, a photo, you know, and I look back at the photo I first started using. It's like, dang, I looked so young. You know, so <laughs> it has been a, a few years. I was served in the House four years and I've been in the, in the in the Senate six. And I really wasn't planning on running again. I, I was hoping that we could settle some matters, um, but we didn't. And so I'm sticking with it um, to work, work on some of those things. So way, way back. Gee, let me think. So. Um, the thing I'm most proud of, Jonathan, is the fact, and it, it was a sacrifice and a choice my husband and I made. We, we've been married, uh, we are at uh, 44 years, I think we are, and nice. yeah, I've been in Alaska 46 years, and just quickly we'll say I lived in Southeast Alaska in Huna, then Bethel, then Fort Yukon, and then Seward, briefly in Fairbanks like two months in Fairbanks, actually had my kids briefly enrolled in public schools there. And then we had a great opportunity in, in South Central. So been here in Palmer since 1990. So we're at um, 32 years in this great community, great place to raise a family. So um, I, we made a choice. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I did a lot of, um, I did some contract work and did some community leadership kind of things in in my church and in different avenues like that was was an advocate i remember one of the first things i that i really got involved with the community um was i had high school kids at colony high and 
this area was beginning to grow back then. And it was really dangerous turning out on the uh, Palmer Wasilla Highway um, where a lot of students and after school, there was no traffic light there. And you were taking your life into your hands. And it really made me concerned about the kids, you know, sometimes new drivers and judgment. So I um, advocated for a traffic light there. And I know people hate traffic lights, but it was a safety, life safety issue for me. And so that kind of started my involvement at, at that kind of impacting what happens in the community. But um, it really started when Carl Gatto, Representative Carl Gatto, who passed away from um, cancer in 2012, our boys, who are now 32, they were little kindergartners, first graders, and we would, they would have play dates back and forth at our homes. And Carl decided to run for the house. And the story goes that he was in his kitchen and his wife, she's just a, was, is a wonderful person. Kathy said, now listen, Carl, I am not going to be your campaign manager. She wanted to make that <laughs> clear. And he's like, well, who am I going to get? And they both sat there for a moment. And at the same time, it was like Shelly. And um, because they had watched me do different things in the community. And Carl came to me and I chuckled when he came to me and said, well, I've never done anything like that. But wow, I, 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 everything I do, I take on is something I've never done. And it's a challenge and I go for it. So I said, yes. And I went, I remember going to the Lusack library and literally um, coming home with a big stack of books about elections. And then I started getting on the phone and connecting with different people in, in the party and people that were experienced with campaigns. And we did it. He had a four-way primary and he was the underdog. Um, he didn't have much name recognition. He won that four-way primary and then he went on to a three-way general and he, and he won. And he wow. asked me to um, come down to Juno to be his chief of staff. And I said, well, first of all, you need somebody who knows the ropes. Second of all, I've got kids. I'm not going to Juno. But I did a little off and on for a year or two um, in office, in district work for him. And um, then I went on and I started doing policy affairs for the Alaska Primary Care Association and did that until 2012. Carl served for 10 years. And as his health began to decline, I was one of the people out there looking for someone, okay, who can run. And, um, you know, we, we were having difficulty finding someone and it dawned on me. I had people come to me and say, Shelly, you should run. And after <laughs> the sixth or seventh person says that, you start to think about it. And I brought it to my husband and he was like, eh, I don't know. You know, he, he understood the sacrifice. We talked about it. And it was, we had enough time and it was almost a year that we, ha we had enough time. And when I started getting cold feet, um, my husband became a huge champion and my daughter and husband went to the thrift store. They like to thrift, right? And my husband walks into the kitchen with a little box and it's, it's a box with a mug in it. It's like, oh, we don't need another coffee cup. And he goes, open it, open it. And I pull, pull it out and it says, if you want a clean house, elect a woman to office. <laughs> and you really need to do this. And so that, that was actually his first indication that he was on board and let's do it. And at the time I had cold feet, but I, I did go forward because I, I, I felt like, you know, maybe the good Lord had created me with a certain set of gifts that I could help our state. And so I have been at it and um, it's been quite the roller coaster ride, especially the last seven years since Walker um, vetoed part of the PFD and put us into a, a chaotic tailspin. 
And that's one of the reasons why I'm running again, because I, I do believe that there are matters that have been shoved aside and that we can take care of. And in fact, um, we, we did some unusual things. I don't know if you watched during the last few days of session, but we can talk about that if, if you want, Jonathan. So I'll give it back to you. Nice. Well, I'm excited that uh, that you know that traffic light that traffic light got you to think about how do I how do I get involved, and so it's those little things that kind of spur folks on that I've found that you know end up you know 12 years later you're the Senate you know Senate Majority Leader, which is very exciting. So you bit you were in the House, you're in the Senate now. Is there something that you've maybe accomplished in your time as an elected official that's kind of your most proudest moment? Maybe you have a couple of super uh, bills, you know, bills that you're super proud of or or things that you helped a constituent with? Is, is there something you could share with us that have been a couple of your most proudest moments? Well, I will, I will talk about, I'll say my favorite moments are connecting with Alaskans and constituents because um, I learned so much. And it's um, also uh, uh, rewarding to get their, their feedback, right? And also to be open to their constructive criticism, which I really tried to do that. And another thing that I have employed in my role is to really um, try to work with everyone in the legislature without um, holding grudges, even if someone has, you know, done something that maybe was questionable, is really um, have a, a good attitude, even when it would be easy to get resentful about things. And my trick for that, um, you know, I, and I am a person of faith, is if somebody has done something wrong, um, instead of letting that, that resentment build up, I actually pray for that person and it really changes my mindset and keeps my attitude. And I think having good working relationships has paid off. And so coming to my most proud moment, I would actually say, and I kind of alluded to it if we wanted to get into it, was what happened in the last 48 hours this year. Because um, we got more done in those for last 48, 20, even 24 hours than we had in seven years. And I'm proud that we got it done. But at the same time, it's not the best way to do business because the best way to do business is for things to move through the committee process. So they're vetted properly. But this year it actually worked, Jonathan, because some of these things had kept being put on the back burner over the last seven years. And so they had been vetted along, but then they always got killed in a committee. And um, and so we did things differently. We did things on the floor through amendment in a way that I've never seen historically, maybe it's done, been done before, but in my time, I'd never seen so many significant things done on the floor by amendment. And one of them um, was the sexual crime legislation that we did. You know that we have the worst rate of sexual abuse and rape in, in the nation. And when I was judiciary chair four years ago, when, when um, I led the repeal of SB 91, we cracked open the sexual crime statutes and realized they had were in much need of being updated. And we did some, some updates regarding um, child abuse, sexual child abuse, but there was more to do and that we knew the consent language was a problem. And I had gone to the deputy AG at the time with some suggested language. And he indicated that um, 
it was kind of a sticky subject and he was working with AGs around the country because it was a problem in multiple states. Because if you don't, if you don't construct the language properly, what you would end up doing is casting a net that's far too wide and creating felons out of people that shouldn't be felon, like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife situations. And so he was part of this working group and was going to bring language back, which we he did a year or so later. But then it was another, I, I want to say about a year before the, the bill got rolling. And when it did, I want to applaud um, Senator Holland because he was judiciary chair and Senator Holland, education chair and judiciary chair. And as a freshman, he talked to some of us that we're in, you know, if you have any suggestions or whatever, of what I, this is all new to me. And I had mentioned to him in the education committee, I said, how about if you take the Reads Act, which I've been carrying, and we make it a Senate education bill because you have your, you have an amazing education committee. You have the um, Senate president is on it. The rules chair is on it. The Senate minority leader is on it. The Senate majority leader. You have a, you know, a, a, a super committee. And if we all get behind the Reads Act, maybe we can actually get it through. And he did that over in the Judiciary Committee. When the sexual crime legislation got dropped by the governor, I encouraged him to focus on that and have as many hearings as we needed to get it through. So we actually would have time. Typically, a bill on, on a hefty subject like that might be a two year process. And we only had one session. So he made it a priority and he scheduled it. And we got it properly vetted, amended, et cetera, and we moved it through. But the problem is it died in Senate Finance Committee. And um, it was there, I, th I think, about two months. And over on the House side, Matt Clayman was also slow rolling at trying to kill it, which, by the way, he's trying to take claim. I saw a mailing he did trying to take, take claim. He was trying to kill that. And, he and now he's trying to own it. <laughs> he should not be getting an ounce of credit for that. Oh, he should gosh. not be getting an ounce of credit at all for that. So it was um, kind of a brainstorm in the last 72 hours, I believe it was, talking to the deputy AG. And um, we knew that there was a bill coming through. Sarah Rasmussen had a bill. It was a one-line bill, but it was in the criminal statutes. And so what we did is we took an entire bill and my office um, uh, requested a draft of the entire bill as an amendment to that one-line bill. Nice. And I asked, I asked my chief of staff and I, I said, Buddy, Buddy Witt's an awesome chief of staff, by the way. And I said, Buddy, I said, I want you to write the best speech that you've ever written and give it to me. So I have like 24 hours to go over it. I want some good data in there. And he did, he did a good job. And then I spent it and I rewrote it quite a bit. And my goal when I stood up on the floor with that amendment, because I carried it, and Jesse Kiel, Jesse Kiel actually helped as far as some of the details and the specifics, but I really carried the purpose of why we need this bill because it had been a long time coming. And my goal was to have um, the it be so compelling that even the people that were blocking it and trying to kill it would vote for it. And I am proud to say that it passed unanimously in, in the um, Senate, the amendment did, and then it was um, concurred unanimously over in the House. So that was a really proud moment for me, but it wasn't your usual way to do business. And we did that on a number of other things. Um, another example is the capital budget, in my mind, was a bit lopsided, and there were certain things that were not um, 
in the budget, in the capital budget. And one of them I feel very strongly was um, money for the Port of Nome for national security purposes. And Senator Olson had really fought hard for that and I supported it and so did a number of other of uh, the Republicans in the majority, but it did not get in the budget. At the same time, Mayor Bronson was wanting some money for the bridge and that was not put in the bu budget and I felt like he needed something to get going there. Then thirdly, the Matsu, which is, uh, people get tired of hearing it, but man, get out on the road here and you feel it. We are just growing and yeah. the traffic, it gets so bad. It's like the Parks Highway becomes a parking lot at commute time. And so funds for infrastructure was really important for, for us here in the borough. So I uh, brought together, at first there was, was a um, amendment that just had the port and the bridge in it. And I came to the two that were putting that together because I had talked to one of them earlier about putting all three and we were trying to get that drafted, but our, our request hadn't made it through the process. We were in line. It gets crazy and ledge legal with all the requests coming in. So we didn't have the amendment with all three in hand. So when the amendment with just two of them came to the floor, I said, whoa. And I asked the two, it was Senator Josh Revac and Senator Donnie Olson. I said, can you come off the floor? I want to talk to you. I said, because right now you only have eight votes for your bridge and port money. I said, I can bring you four more if you put the Matsu road money because we do support <laughs> what you want to do. So let's let's hold hold that off and let's get the, the amendment that has all three in it. And so that is what we did. And we passed it 12 to eight. Now, again, that typically you would want those kind of things put in at the Senate finance table and it didn't happen. But um, but they were they were things that I'm proud that we got in because they were important and needed to happen. And so, yeah, we we successfully figured out after seven years of gridlock on some of these items that kept getting pushed to the side, the Reeds Act, yep. uh, the crime bill, uh, certain infrastructure, we got it through. And the fourth one I want to mention that I'm proud of is what we did for food security and agriculture, because, you know, the, the earthquake and COVID, it's been a wake up call in the state. What happens if we can't bring up food from uh, the uh, Port of Seattle? You know, we have two or three weeks maybe of certain pro food products on our shelves. And so there was a growing, growing um, support in the public and in the legislature. And I was one of the co-chairs. We formed a food and farm caucus. Garen Tarr was part of that. Um, and um, George Rauscher was a co-chair and Kawasaki. And we, you know, there's 40, let's see, 40 House members, 20 senators, so total of 60, and we got 31 people in the Food and Farm Caucus. So we had a majority, right. and yet again, things weren't getting through committees. And so on the floor, we did things by amendment, and we got more done in this one year for ag than we have in the entire 10 years I've been serving. So th those were proud moments for me, And it's, but again, it's not really... The way to do business, the way to do business is to have a cohesive majority and get things through the committee process. And um, to have to do things on the floor like this is, is unusual. It's not recommended, but um, we did it. And I, I, I'm not, um, I believe that everything had been properly vetted. Um, sometimes when things are done on the fly, you end up with a lot of unintended consequences. These things were not done on the fly. 
there had been a lot of consideration over a number of years. So we did get them done. That's exciting. So you're running for reelection. Tell us how that's going. And if, you know, there's folks on listening here that want to get involved, how do they get involved in your campaign, whether it's door knocking or phone calls or, you know, even helping other folks get elected? Uh, give us the rundown on that. Yeah. Um, Alaskansforhughes.com. And, um, and you know, I, I did pretty well in my race. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did okay. But <laughs> what I want to say is um, my goal right now is to get out the vote because our area is really, really important to Republicans being elected up and down the ticket. And so the more voters that I can get, the better it is for the conservative cause in this state. And so if you're, if you're, if you're concerned about the U.S. Senate race, the U.S. Congress race, the governor's race, the House represented, I think Delana Johnson's doing very well also, that this is a really good district to, to pick up votes for Republicans. We tend to be pretty good voters, but um, little more in presidential years. So getting people out. I'm also, you know what I'm going to do, Jonathan? I, if I hold something up, is it going to be backwards? If I hold it well, up, you can. It, it might be, but you can always text me what you're sending, and I'll put okay. it in. Because so, I was going to hold up my phone number. Is that backwards? Let me see. Let me see here. Uh, no, you're good. That's that's uh, okay. So that's my cell number. Nine. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Yep, perfect. Nine zero seven eight four one one six three four. You can call me, and you can get involved. And and again, it's it's really at this point more about helping. Um, the, on the ticket, the rest of um, the the folks. And uh, while we're talking about the ballot, Jonathan, I just want to say that I am a yes on the Constitutional Convention. Nice. And I'm going to tell you, um, I am really unhappy about the opposition ads because they're fear mongering and saying absolutely ridiculous things. Do you really think delegates would choose to get rid of hunting <laughs> rights? Do you really think, it, it, even if they we're so crazy. They propose that. Do you think Alaskan voters would approve yeah. that? Absolutely not. And here's a little factoid. Since our nation's founding, there have been more than 230 state constitutional conventions in the United States of America. Has the sky fallen in any of those? No. So this whole thing that this is opening Pandora's box, it's absolutely incorrect. You have two safety valves for you know, your selection of delegates, and then it has to go before the voters. Okay. Secondly, when the opposition says it's unnecessary, I disagree. The founders put it in the Constitution for when there's gridlock in the legislature. Hello, we've been under gridlock for seven years. And so this is the time for it when there's gridlock. And they're... Um, complaint that it's going to be expensive and we can't afford it. That's that's just crazy also because how many special sessions have we been having and how many special sessions will we continue to have when certain matters aren't settled? You know, the, it, it, it is going to be actually be a bargain in the long run to have a constitutional convention. And so, you know, I trust the, the people and I think, you know, there'll be a lot of conversation. I don't want dark money coming in and influencing it. It is disturbing to me that dark money is coming in right now on the opposition side. And if you look at who is supporting and paying for those ads, it is people, it is the unions, it's the NEA, yeah. it is people who have power and wealth 
and want to maintain that. You know, this is a David Goliath battle, and we need to be cheering and helping David because this is for the people of Alaska. When our constitution was written in the 1950s, this the people, most of the people involved in the state were FDR Democrats. And, you know, they were good people and Democrats were a lot more conservative then. But our constitution is actually a little bit left of center. And I believe a constitutional convention will only bring it to the middle. It's not going to do anything terribly extreme. But I do think having been in Juneau and gone through countless special sessions, I really want to settle some matters in, 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 and I think we can only do it through a state constitutional convention. So that's my pitch. Nice. Well, I, I like it. I think the state, uh, the constitutional convention is a good thing. You know, if you're listening in, you have two sides. The uh, left side is offering fear and they want to keep it controlled by a small group of people that are have the money, time, and resources to quote unquote control what's going on in Alaska. The right side wants to have the people involved and have the people have the ultimate say of what happens in the state of Alaska and they're offering opportunity. So if you're on the opportunity side, you're on the yes convention. If you're on the fear side, you're on the no convention. So totally understand both sides, but uh, I'm on the opportunity side every day of the week. Yeah, you know what's funny? That reminds me, there is um, talk nationally about um, the Republican Party is actually becoming the party of the little guy. And the Democratic Party is becoming the party of the elite and the wealthy, which um, I am I am seeing that at play in in this instance and others as well. in the conversation about the PFD as well. Um, You know, I I love the fact that I mean, I'm I have a a little bit about my background. Um, When I was a young mom with my first couple of kids, we were under the poverty level. I mean, you know, Alaska really gave us you talk about opportunity <laughs> tremendous opportunity and um i want to make sure that continues for my my grandchildren i have a new little grandbaby by the way little Margaret. Nice. She's, Congrats. Three weeks, she's three weeks old and oh she i was cuddling with her was it yesterday or the day before she is a sweetie pie and the other thing i want to talk about grandchildren i'm really proud i have a grandson jonathan who is in the space force you heard that correctly. Space Force. There is a real Space Force. That's, cool. That's awesome. And he is in the first group. When they first started the Space Force on, under Trump, they were pulling people from different branches to get it started. And then they started recruiting the new young guys. And so he's in that first batch of, of people being recruited in. And he's flying in Sunday and is going to be visiting school high schools in Anchorage to talk to kids about joining the Space Force. So anyway, I'm I'm excited to see him. You got to be proud of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Well, thank you so much, Senator, uh, for joining us on the Must Read Alaska show. And for folks that have just tuned in, you're going to want to go back 30 minutes and listen to the whole thing. Um, Some great tidbits about how the senator first got involved in politics, some of the things she's proud of, and what she's looking forward to here down the road in terms of maybe potentially having a constitutional convention. So I want to thank everybody for listening in, tuning in. And if you're in Nikiski, Kenai, or Sodotna this weekend, uh, the hardware store that I'm part owner of, Nikiski Hardware and Supply, is having a car show. So come on down from noon to four. It's free. We're having a pig roast. It's the biggest car show in Alaska every year. We've done it for the last three years. All the car clubs come out to it, and it's free for the family. So come on down, and uh, we'll see you on Monday with the Must Read Alaska show. Until then, 
from somewhere in Alaska. I'm John Quick signing off. Thanks again, Senator, and I wish you luck. And uh, you know, get get eighty percent of the general. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs>